0: Everybody. Um, my name's Adam and I'm in Manchester. And I'm Neil and I'm in London. And here we go again,
1: episode three. How are you doing? I'm oh, alright, mate. I'm alright. And they and they said it wouldn't last. <laughs> or, or, or shouldn't last. One of the two. I can't remember which, which it was.
0: But yeah, how how are things? How's Manchester? Manchester, yeah, it's uh it's okay. I think we're we've seen a lot of venues that are having issues with staff because of covid and mm-hmm. then it's been it's come out in the last couple of days The are you know pep guardiola's place um isn't going to open over the summer because um, of brexit because they can't get the staff so yeah all fun and games lots of stuff going on but uh, so wh- where have you been what you've been up to since we last chatted that's yeah, no, it's, I mean,
1: it is challenging times. I think there's, there is definitely a shortage of chess. If I, if I wasn't 53, I'd probably retrain, frankly. It's, uh, yeah. it's, it's never short to work. Um, yeah, no, it's been a. a, a say, well, London is, is clearly making little sort of steps back towards vague normality. And I've got another sort of month or so to go potentially before we can. or well, we, we think it's uh, normality. I can't see it really going back to. How it was for a long, long time yet. But I was in Soho on Saturday. Well, not even Saturday night. Saturday afternoon, five o'clock, and it was the atmosphere was incredible. They pedestrianised so much of the street. There was a, a little tapas place called Lobos, uh, catching up with a couple of old friends, sitting outside. Sun was shining, weather was balmy. Um, it was it was amazing. The atmosphere was. Phenomenal. There were any number of hen parties that kept going by. There was virtually a sort of um, a Mexican wave up Frith Street every time <laughs> so the hen party or somebody was celebrating some occasion went past, yeah. and it just felt everyone was just clearly just kind of itching to get back out into to doing something normal. For, um, food there was great. I uh, sort of ducked back into Dargini Express last week. The uh, Dishoom in Covent Garden took over the old Jamie's Italian, so they've doubled in size. I had a soft launch planned for January. I think it was November originally, and then January. That finally happened (laughs) earlier this month. Uh, That's looking really great. So yeah, just yeah, lots of familiar haunts, but uh, all seem to be back up and running. Um, Some of them with more limited hours than before because
0: of the the staffing problems. But yeah, how about yourself? Yeah, it's been good the last last few weeks. Jane Eyre, which I pretty much mention every time we talk. Um, <laughs> I went there with the father-in-law on Sunday. Uh, it was his first time there and we had the roast, uh, the lamb shoulder, which was just absolutely phenomenal. Um, Doocy, uh, Doocy Street Warehouse that been for the went for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Absolutely amazing. Tomahawk steak and it was great to see like the staff, even though there were all the restrictions and different bits and pieces. They were they were just so welcoming. They were just so nice. And it was just, you know, I really feel for them when you know, they're going around in masks all day and, and all night. And it, it must be so tiring. But, yeah, and I think for me, one of the great things is I've actually got back to one of my favourite um, bars in, in Manchester, which is Seven Brothers. Um, great, just great beers there. Their Honeycomb Pale is just absolutely fantastic. Um, and then we had a, a, a Home by Nico, this week so mm-hmm. you know by Nico fantastic as always I mean the restaurant was always superb um when we went there when it was open but their their home by Nico kits are just absolutely incredible so yeah it's been great mate it's been it's it kind of starts feeling now like things are getting back to a bit of normality but then we're we kind of knew what was going to happen didn't we yeah. it's going to be, it's going to be put off and I think Manchester is even more kind of on that precipice and, and that fear because obviously with everything that went down last year where, you know, the government was up against Andy Burnham and Sasha Lord and all that kind of thing. And you just, you just worry that even on July the 19th, 29th, whatever, Boris decided. If you're
1: going to get one
0: thing right in that announcement, <laughs> like, the, the date seemed all like right. quite an important one yeah I, d- I just think we're kind of there's that real kind of nervousness around the place and mm-hmm. I was chatting to a couple of of restaurants over the last week or so and there's still that thing of we don't really know yeah and even though i mean and what's helped obviously over the last week or so the weather's been great um so you know the outside seating's all been full there's a real good feel about it, but I still think there's that little bit of there's that nervousness that yeah. I mean, it's not the north-south divide, but it, there is that feeling up here that, that you know, government has got it in for Manchester because, mm-hmm. you know, Burnham did did stand up against them, really. So a yeah. bit nervous, bit nervous.
1: Yeah, and no, I can I can imagine. I think, I mean, even as I, mean, as I say, I don't think the it's the new, it's not normality, it's going to be the new normal. I think there's going to be an awful lot of things or behaviours and practices that we don't necessarily get back to. I'm not in any rush to lose the mask on public transport. Um, not least, as a year on, a good percentage of people on the tube still haven't worked out how a mask works. Uh, doesn't doesn't fill you with confidence in terms of um, actually getting out the other side of all of this if we're relying on the uh, on the general public. Sometimes, um, but I think again, if people can say if the weather holds, if the support is there for kind of pedestrianised areas, etc., there's there's the sense of we can get back to something, hmm. and then a little bit of continuity. Um, but yeah, but I and and um, on on, <laughs> on the subject of I know new things and things the other side. So um, you're starting a bottle shop.
0: Potentially. Well, yeah, <laughs> it, it, the the discussions are ongoing. Um, but yeah, one of the things I wanted to do. I mean, obviously, it, up here there are some great bottle shops that are out there already, and. I'm at my office in my other work, where I'm working as a marketing consultant. I'm in a community of shipping containers where there are like 150 businesses down here and there's wine merchants, there's everything, there's tattooists. So if you want to get drunk and get a tattoo, it's all in one place. Um, But yeah, I I really want to champion some um, breweries that maybe some people haven't heard of. Um, Obviously, there's a vast amount of breweries in, in Manchester, but also I'm coming across a lot of people that are starting to brew some of their own stuff and some of like the, the big hitters, you know, that you don't you, you might see around but you're not fully aware of. Like right now I'm I'm actually drinking um a white rat from Osset Brewery, um Osset in, in Yorkshire. Fantastic beer. It's just such a it's so pale, but it's incredibly hoppy. And for a four percent beer, you can't believe kind of the aroma that comes from. But and those are the kind of um, those are the kind of breweries that kind of would like to push. So yeah, we're in discussions at the moment that um, that there will be a a little bottle shop that will be at the front of my office, which um, could be quite dangerous (laughs) when I have my day job. But
1: (laughs) well, yes, well, ironically, I've I've kind of gone the other way as I was at a, a low and no alcohol show last week at the Truman Brewery. Um, taking a look at some of the new things, the apparently endless supply of CBD drinks that are out there, mm. uh, which yeah, some some very good, some not so good. A uh, couple of very very good beers. Reacquainting myself with a small beer company who, uh, terrific company in terms of kind of yeah, sort of ethical ethos, mm. and some very very good beers. Everything comes in at two and a half percent. With them, uh, again, very very easy drinking, and of the zero alcohol, um, a little brewery in Walthamstow called Nirvana, who are, are completely no alcohol. A um, couple of the things, again, I think we've the the the, the colleague I was walking around with last week kind must have got so bored with me complaining about viscosity. It's always, so so many of the zero alcohol things or low alcohol things, they just don't have the right mouth feel. Yeah and you end up, as I, I've been referring to them as like hop squash or hop cordial. They're kind of sort of beer-flavoured water. And you just drink them like they're water, and you don't... It, it, it's not a replacement. It's not an alternative. Uh, but when they're good, like some of the big drop stuff, with and they add a little lactose, gives it a little body. But um, yeah, the uh, Nirvana have a Bavarian Helles Lager, which is... It's won a sort of great taste awards. Um, very, very good. First time I've come across that particular thing by them. I've tried some of their other stuff in the past. Some good, some not so good.
0: This, really good, absolutely zero alcohol beer. There are there are some good ones coming through now. I mean, I agree with you. I think there are times when you have a, a low low ABV beer and it it almost feels like you've... You're about to have dental surgery, and this is kind of the anesthetic. <laughs> um, the the, the anesthetic's got more flavour to it, um, but there are some ones out there. I think, like recently, I've had some some McKella, and they are just absolutely incredible. They've got some really good ones, but then there are those times when you just might you think I might as well just have like a Vimto. Yeah, you know what I mean, because there's absolutely no point because it isn't really like a beer. And but the, you know, as we've said all along, we're never gonna, with what we do and the way we write and and with this podcast, we're never gonna, we're never gonna diss anybody, and we're never gonna say, oh, they are terrible, um, because that's not the way we do things. But there are some fantastic um, low low alcohol beers out there.
1: Yeah, I also came across uh, a couple of very good. Kind of, uh, there's an awful lot of kind of gin replacement. Ideas. Every everything seems to be based on the, I know the gin flavourings. But came across something a couple of weeks ago called Sprigster, which is a kind of a distilled herbal spirit. with a little vinegar to it. Uh, really, really good. Mm. You could you would walk around. Well, so I did. I walked around the garden where, where they, they collect the herbs, drinking one of these things, and it was very, very easy to forget it was no alcohol. Yeah, really really good drink in its own right and suddenly would make being designated driver not quite the 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 the, the challenge it can be sometimes
0: so fantastic so you kind of suggested a little while ago when we were chatting through a few things about food and movies um so talk to me about why you thought about this as a subject you no, know, well, I think we both we both love it. We've both we bonded, if you like. Uh, over, yes. over <laughs> the years. Yes, this is our this is our meat cute, is Yeah. Yes, uh, yeah. No, we,
1: we met so we met working at the Royal Albert Hall. Uh, I was a film editor of a little listings magazine, started send, we were sending other people out to screenings. Ad and I got talking, started sending him to screenings. Um, so yeah, we are sort of at the early part of our friendship it was always kind of based around movies and dissecting them afterwards over a pint, um, and now, now we do much more of the pint and, and less of the movies. So it's quite a nice opportunity to dip back into that world. But there's also, I think that there's an awful lot of really good kind of food movies out there. Lots of them are now popping up on the streaming services, and food has played a major part. There are often great food scenes in all sorts of other films uh, it becomes quite memorable I think it's a, it's a good emotional shortcut it's we know what a good meal is like we or the majority of the audience hopefully knows what a good meal is like we know what it represents that kind of emotional thing whether it's you near know, the taste of home whether it's just something familiar and warming and comforting and it's, it's often used as so I think there is a real sense of the kind of the visual side of, of, of the chefing world and what film is always attempting to do. And I um, it's just it's just a nice opportunity. I think it's, it's an area where um, we can talk about food and drink and stuff that people won't necessarily be able to go and do. Whereas the film, you've got access to Netflix or Prime or whatever else. There's a you can we can all share the same experience. It's a little more unifying, I think, in that respect.
0: Hmm. I believe you got out and about and actually face to face, talking with somebody. Uh, I did
1: indeed. Um, an old old friend of ours from the uh, the film reviewing circuit, uh, Matthew Turner, uh, he's a film critic, podcaster, and author, and caught up with him in a little garden in Soho. So excuse the background noise, excuse the bird song, excuse the occasional ambulance, and <laughs> uh, just to talk about his favourite food scenes in various films. Well, let's talk about some of your favourite scenes, or some of the great scenes in film, and then let's focus on some of your favourite. Well, first film. of all, I, I just wanted to flag up a,
2: a food film that you may not mention in your, it may not have mentioned in your. Uh, conversation about food films in general which is le grand bouffe and the uh, and or the big blowout and the concept i'm not going to say too much about it other than just i think the concept will appeal to you in that it's about a group of people a group of men i think middle aged white men like ourselves who <laughs> who hold themselves up in a mansion and just decide to eat themselves to death and
1: that's the movie so uh, it if it you takes. haven't seen that I I, 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 I do I, I've never seen him but somebody bought me a copy of it <laughs> <laughs> which I'm now
2: taking as quite offensive <laughs> yeah so definitely I think that should be the, uh, the poster movie for this podcast um I mean, I've, we, when you when you asked me to to have this conversation, I mean, you sent me a sort of long, a, a list of a sort of the classics, and there are some classics, and and I think you know anybody thinks great food scenes in movies that are not about food, and you do automatically think. I mean, one of my favorites, for example, is the the garlic slicing scene in Goodfellas where they're making, you know, they're making Italian food in prison and they're slicing garlic with a razor blade. That's that's got a melt. Yeah, that's I mean, that's 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 the best bit about it is that it's great food advice within Goodfellas, (laughs) which is just fantastic in in and of itself. Um, And you also mentioned the pie eating scene in Stand By Me, which, again, is a fantastic scene. Um, I don't even remember the context of it I just remember the, the, the visuals of it being really sort of indelibly sort of etched in my mind and um, and again like you could take that movie out, you could take that entire scene out of Stand By Me and Stand By Me would still be a great movie yes. but it's but it's it's like a flashback fantasy sort of scene it literally the adds colour
1: as a writer yes so it's the Stephen yes. King
2: character yeah yeah And with all the sort of blueberry pie stuff, it literally adds like a huge splash of unusual colour in that movie, which is great. (laughs) And another personal favourite of mine um, is the spaghetti scene in in Lady and the Tramp, which, uh, you know, is just adorable. And it's also like Lady and the Tramp is one of my wife's favourite films. So, you know, she really loves that scene. So I really love that scene. I've got a whole like diversion about Lady in the Tramp that I that I, that <laughs> isn't really relevant to this podcast, but uh, but ask me about it some other. D- if you're really interested, DM me on Twitter at filmfan1971, and I'll tell you it's it's a there's a lot more to Lady in the Tramp than you see on the surface. Is all I'll say about it. Um, what else? Like the I mean the 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 tea shop scene in with now and I the uh, I mean, we want we want the finest wines available to humanity, and we want them here and we want them now. Uh, I mean, I've, got a, I've got a t-shirt with Penrith tea rooms uh, on it that's, that's how much I love that scene we all should we all um, should technically and I mean just, just some you know there's, like, like you say there's, there's a whole bunch of them. Nigel Tufnell and the sandwiches in, in Spinal Tap why would you keep folding it <laughs> why would you keep um, folding I'm, it I'm a professional I'm a professional <laughs> I, it's fine it's fine but there's there's two there's two scenes I wanted just to mention that I really love in just completely ra- they're completely and utterly random, and one of them is the 39, Hitchcock's The Thirty Nine Steps, where uh, I don't know if you if you've seen it recently, but like there's a bit in it where they they obviously so Robert Donat is on the run he's handcuffed to uh, to Madeleine Carroll they're um, you know they're on the run in the British countryside uh, and they stop at somebody's house. Wait, I, I can't remember whether they're still handcuffed at that point or not, but either way, they stop at somebody's house and he just gets like an enormous piece of haddock out of the fridge and <laughs> sets down to eat it. And it, honestly, it's the biggest piece of fish you've ever seen in your life. It's just, you know, you can't, once you know that it's coming, you can't help laughing when you see it, basically. That's that's how great that bit is. Um, so the second one is the, um, again, a really famous one, the, the roll dance in, uh, in, the, in Chaplin's The Gold Rush, where he's, he's got the little bread rolls on the little forks and they can do a little dance. And it's, you know it's funny and cute and sweet and it, you know parodied obviously in in Benny and June um, years later. Um, well, well, parodied all over the place probably, yeah. but mm-hmm. still, it's, it's, it's a lovely little moment. Um, and some other famous ones like, for example, the uh, you mentioned you were talking earlier about how food is often used as a um, metaphor in uh, in no. movies and things like that. And the best example of that I can think of is the the feast scene in Tom Jones. With um, Albert Finney and Jenny Jones, lustily devouring chicken legs and stuff like that.
1: Sunday roast as a shag. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Staring at each other and just hungrily devouring this enormous feast in front, on the table in front of them, and it's you know it's funny and, and saucy and uh, bawdy all at the same time. It's a lovely scene.
1: Bawdy is a very very
2: good word. <laughs> yes, it is. It's a very underappreciated word. Um, I've got a real soft spot for um, Cool Hand Luke. I'm going to eat 50 eggs. <laughs> the the egg-eating scene, uh, where he eats 50 hard-boiled eggs. That's just that's just such a great scene. Um, I love that movie anyway, but it's it's such a brilliant thing. I remember like specifically like the, how distended his stomach is at the end of it. Like it's like a really vivid image. On obviously Paul Newman, you're not used to seeing Paul Newman with a kind of fat stomach, so it's a really vivid uh, image for that. And just the way he's, he kind of just throws himself into it, is, I mean, obviously, Paul Newman didn't, he didn't really eat 50 half old Eggs, but still, it's like, it's really, it's a great scene. Um, and you could, take the, you could take that scene out of Cool Han Luke, and Cool Luke would still be a great movie, but it really does crystallise. Like, it it's the know. thing that. It's, yeah, it's the thing everyone remembers. It's, it's remember
1: from it. synonymous with, with that film. Yeah. That's the thing everyone remembers.
2: Uh, and, the, and the last one is a film that, that no one really talks about now, um, but when I was a teenager, a sort of film fan as a teenager, um, was a huge thing at the time I remember Empire did classic scenes at the back of it, well I think they probably do, still do classic scenes at the back of the magazine um, but I think it was maybe the first or if it wasn't the first it was definitely like the third or fourth or fifth or something like that, classic scene that they did in the back of the, of the magazine and it's the t- the toast ordering scene the substitution scene in Five Easy Pieces oh, Good call Good yeah. call Mr Turner Very good call Mr <laughs> and well, I,
1: I remember the Empire things as yeah.
2: well um, so Jack Nicholson's character is trying to order. Uh, he wants a he wants a side order of toast with his omelette, and the waitress tells him no substitutions. Uh, sorry, they don't do side orders. And he says, "Well, what do you mean? What do you mean you don't do side orders? You do you do sandwiches, don't you?" Um, and he orders. So he orders a sam. He's, essentially, he orders a sandwich and holds the the, 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 the punchline is hold the chicken. And he he orders a chicken salad sandwich and holds the chicken and the salad. So he just gets his toast to go with his omelette. And uh, and there's a sort of, there's another sort of punchline which I won't repeat for the for the podcast, but it's slightly ruder than uh, than um, <laughs> it's slightly ruder than the, than polite listening will allow.
1: Um, that's, I think that's a very good call. i say it kind of establishes Nicholson's persona. In, every movie after that for about four decades. Yeah, it's a great uh, movie. I haven't
2: well. I, I bought it on Blu-ray recently and I haven't seen it since it was on movie Dream, I think maybe 25 years ago and I've been dying to see it again. I'm really looking forward to seeing it again, but I haven't got around to it yet. And again, it just doesn't seem as talked about now as it as it was well, when 25 years ago when I was when I was a teenager. Um, so I hope more people get to go and you know get to see it. Basically, as if if this podcast gets more people watching easy, uh, five easy pieces, then I will consider my job done.
1: I, I think I think we all consider our jobs done if that's if that's the takeaway from this. <laughs> I mean, that's a, that's a very very good call. And as I say it's a, it's a film I've not thought about since I, I tracked it down after that Empire feature, figuring I needed to see this film. And yeah, every time I go to a diner in the US, it's kind of lurking in the back of my mind. I, I, I sense that the reason diners in the US are a lot more helpful than they are probably comes down to people trying to recreate Jack Nicholson's. That could well be,
2: yeah. Yeah, it could well be. There are obviously loads more, but I think it's best to maybe leave it leave it at five. Those are, I'm happy with those five as, a, as a, a collection. Matthew Turner, thank you very much for your time. Oh, thank you for having me.
0: some of uh, the, there are some things in there I would say were, I, I'm perhaps a little bit ashamed to say there are a couple of movies in there that I've not seen. i feel really bad about that but now that my <laughs> they may be ones that I go back to. But I mean a couple of standout things for me. I mean well you chatted to him so you you know a couple of things that you thought that or maybe you hadn't thought about and he mentioned or that really stuck out in what he said? It didn't I think there's the I mean we <laughs> Kind of, the, the the five easy pieces,
1: as I said, I think it was a really good call. It's it's one that hadn't crossed my mind. I think we we'd all previously talked in passing about Lady and the Tramp and the the, the spaghetti moment. Uh, it's, it's an unforgettable <laughs> scene, I think, in in film. Uh, Tom Jones, that was also a very good call. Yeah. Uh, much pastiche, much copied, much imitated, uh, and very easy to overlook the use of of, of food as. Well, as sex, really. <laughs> it's kind of, um, yeah, it was, it was very interesting. I mean, Matt is is, is far more uh, involved in the film world still than, than than we are, and and his phenomenal recall for details uh, puts me to shame. I, I, I can barely remember what I had for breakfast, uh, let alone uh, coming up. And I think the, the 39 steps, it's kind of inspired me to go back and see, uh, go and watch that again. But yeah, um, I think we we've been chatting about some of our favourite food films and favourite food scenes. I I know I, I've got a little list here, I know I'm sure you have as well. So what what would what's one of your standouts, mate?
0: I think what you actually introduced me to this movie and it will always be a standout movie, and also it's got kind of repercussions that go through my other work in the marketing world, but Chef for me was just just, just an amazing movie. But it also inspired so many new businesses that I came across that wanted a food truck. And but the stuff in that movie, it's just chefs of massive standout for me. And it's one it's one of those films that I will go back to over and over again. And the soundtrack is just absolutely incredible. It's just superb. I think when you first talked to me though about about doing this, the first movie scene that came into my head was When Harry Met Sally <laughs> and that scene in Cat's Deli where, you know, I'll have what she's having. And it was just, I mean, I love that movie anyway. You know, it's just a great little movie. But it, that scene is just phenomenal. Matt mentioned it around um, Stand By Me and the Pies and just like I'm intense in some ways that that scene was. There's a couple of others that, that kind of maybe, I don't know, if are not kind of seen as mainstream, but there's the steak scene in Raging Bull. And the intensity of that movie anyway with De Niro is just phenomenal. It's one of my favourite movies of all time. But when he's eating that steak, that kind of just sums up the whole premise of what he is and what he's going through. and Just, yeah, stunning. And I think the other one that I thought of was, it kind of gets overlooked because of the kind of movie it is, but those food scenes in the Great Hall in Harry Potter, I just fantastic. Mm-hmm. They're just absolutely amazing. It just shows the kind of the brilliance of movies, really. But those scenes were just were just great. And yeah, there's those other things we talked about. The lady in the Trump thing really sticks in my mind as well. Um And I know you'd got some others. What what would you? On? Yeah, I,
1: I mean, I am absolutely with you on Chef. I think It's as a, as a travelogue as a little father-son bonding thing, as a warning of what not to do on Twitter, it's, it ticks many, many boxes, um, I remember seeing it, I mean there's the, on the scene at Café du Monde in New Orleans when he takes his son for, John well, John Favreau's character takes his son for the beignet, um, and I've, I've been to Café du Monde, and it's it was just fantastic memories from that, I've never been to Franklin's in Austin, the, the great barbecue place had a, but the one time I've been in Austin, after it had opened, when I could go there, I was only there on a Monday, and they don't open on Mondays, uh, so it's kind of Murphy's Law. But I remember sitting in a screening room, seeing that film, at that point where Aaron Franklin cuts the corner of the brisket. Mm. And it, w- it was... The-, the noise in that screening room was just... It, w- it, was, it, was, it was 80, 100 people doing a Homer Simpson. Yeah. Basically, there's just this kind of <laughs> noise and, the, and the, the sense of collective drooling. Uh, just, just phenomenal. Again, just a, is a wonderful kind of unifying shared experience. Uh, the I've got a huge amount of time for Ratatouille. Mm-hmm. Big Pixar fan. At the best of times, I think that remains. I remember I sent a, 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 an early preview of it by my sister, and, and at that point, young nephews went to it, and it really wasn't my nephew's cup of tea and he realized actually it is quite a grown-up film for a pixar movie mm. the uh, there's a couple of things that really stand out when remy the 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 rat um is demonstrating what what food does to him the the, the combination of flavors and then little animation of kind of of literal fireworks that he sees is just a beautiful representation of of the palette and combinations of flavors and, and what food can do. And then towards the end, the uh, Pietro Tool voicing the great Anton Ego, probably the best named Pixar character of all time, best named critic of all time. Um, I, I mean, there's that beautiful, there's an absolutely fantastic uh, commentary in there by Ego. On, on what criticism is, uh, which really rings true with a lot of people that I've met on this circuit. But it's that kind of power of ten shot at the end when he tries the Ratatouille and it's flashed straight back to childhood. Mm. And uh, the tear and, and eating his mother's food. It's just it's like the Harry Potter thing. It's that kind of, It's a big emotional shortcut yeah. to being... Even if you're not with family, you can recreate it. There are things that just bring it all back. I think they say was it the power of smell is one of the most is the most powerful of the or the sense of smell is the most powerful of the senses in terms of memory, mm-hmm. and can well believe it. I think that's just the most perfect visualization of that. And then I mean, there's a couple of other films that are I know dotted around some of the streaming services. Things like Monsoon Wedding, which I think is quite sort of relatively unseen really big joyous colorful um sort of western take on bollywood some amazing food scenes absolutely amazing food scenes i've got a lot of time uh, for tortilla soup which is a sort of a loose remake of eat drink man woman eat drink man woman's a fantastic film as well but tortilla soup it's got the the late great hector elizondo in there uh as a chef who's for various reasons, losing his sense of taste and losing his sense of smell, but is passing on, is expressing love for his family and concern for his family through cooking for them and then cooking for him. A really lovely, really touching, very sweet, very funny film. Same with Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. And I think probably the greatest of all, I believe it's still on Netflix, is Big Night. Uh, Stanley Tucci, Tony Shalhoub, the Two Brothers running an Italian restaurant uh, in New Jersey in the sort of the 1950s. Uh, it's, it's a really lovely ensemble piece. Uh, Tucci co-wrote, co-directed it. The food scenes are astonishing. But there's a beautiful little moment at the end, much like there's a similar moment at the end of Chef, um, where it's just that... The two brothers eating an omelette in silence. All the emotional repercussions of the day before are kind of ignored, and they just cook a very, very simple breakfast. There's little bits of interaction with with the bread and the eggs. They say no dialogue, but then just kind of an arm around each other. And just this sense of, it's all gonna be all right. It's not, <laughs> but as long as there's this, that emotional bond is, is still there. And I think going back to Chef very briefly, there's a lovely, lovely scene at the end of that. Uh, Roy Choi, a uh, great Korean-American um, chef based in LA, was the tech advisor on the film. Clearly he and F- John Favreau got on so well because they, they now have their own cooking show called The Chef Show. Uh, I think there's unto the third or fourth season of that. There's a lovely scene right at the end of Chef, kind of let the credits run, and it's Roy Choi teaching Jean Favreau how to make a, a grilled cheese sandwich. Mm. And it's just this wonderful level of it's just a little bit of focus. Just the two of them staring intently at this pan, Choi explaining, you know, how you come down to eye level. This is how you do it, and this is this is what a chef would do. And it just—it's just this little hint of the level of attention to detail that it separates kind of the great chefs from the from the lesser. It, it's a again lovely moment, a little bit of human interaction, but hugely, hugely memorable, and has changed the way I cook. So
0: and that's what it's all about, it, isn't it? You know, but it's that memory, and I also think that really plays in quite nicely with the last po- podcast that we did around the comfort thing, and when you were saying before about evoking memories and things but also i think let's say i've seen so much with chef that it, it it inspired a lot of people there's the the community of businesses where i'm based there's a guy that set up a tacos um food truck and things like that and i've spoken to so many businesses that were inspired by chef that and, and actually to follow a passion um i think there's still probably a couple of things about twitter that you you and i could learn from it and That's a whole different story, isn't it? Really, but there you go. It's yeah.
1: I guess I mean when? When did it come out? In twenty? It's got to be. It's what seven years old, eight years old, chef. Must
0: be now. At least. So it's
1: kind of, I guess, relatively early days of, of Twitter from becoming or kind of really kicking into the mainstream. So I think it, it explained to a lot of people what social media. Can do for the for the for the good and the bad. Mm. So yeah, no, you're right. It 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 touches on many 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 things, but it, at, at the heart of it, it's just a lovely father and son tale. Yeah, um, and um, yeah, just so
0: so many great moments, and I, I am going to have to go and watch that again. And that frankly. that soundtrack like that is just incredible. I think that was the first time you and I were driving somewhere. I think it might have been to. Uh, the food market at Alexandra palace and you put on the chef soundtrack and it was that version of sexual healing, Mm -hmm. which was just phenomenal, but it's, yeah, it's so good. And I think it's with you and I were talking, um, last week around the Tony Bourdain movie that's going to come out next month, um, around his life, which we both love him and, you know, still can't believe really what happened. Um, but yeah, his that that should be an amazing movie to watch as well. No, you're right. I think uh, the more that people can become acquainted with
1: Anthony Bourdain, it just the better. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say still my go to if I'm if I'm lacking um, enthusiasm for a subject, that's the, his books are the ones I go back to just to kind of revive his little control or delete mm-hmm. of the writing of the writing power, the power of words, that energy, that love for the subject. Uh, astonishing, astonishing, man. So, yeah. Yeah, no, very much. I think that's yeah, it's out in uh, July, I believe. so. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm sure we'll, assuming we can, <laughs> So I'm sure we'll be going for a socially distant cinema visit uh, mm-hmm. and,
0: and catch up with that. So what, what does the rest of the month hold in store? Lots, really. I think, again, we're going through a stage at the minute of, places are closing for like 10 days, the places that are reducing their hours because of lack of staff. Um, I need to reacquaint myself with Mackie Mare, um, which is one of the food, food halls in Manchester that was originally inspired by a food hall in Altrincham that has then gone on to inspire others around the country. Um, superb place. And they have blackjack beers in there, which are just phenomenal. um, yeah, there's there we are. We'll be heading back to Sunny Stoke on Trent um, at some point, and there's a great bar in in Newcastle and Lion called Mellards that have just got it so bang on with the beer, and so we'll definitely be heading there. Um, Dakota, um, which we started to frequent a little bit, which is a hotel um, in Piccadilly. They've got a, a cigar terrace, so that needs to be indulged uh again at some point. um not that i'm you know promoting um cigars but yeah i'll be doing that um but yeah loads of different things and we've kind of sort of been saying now now that again although there's that uncertainty now that things are opening up again there's, there's places we we want to go that we've we've not been to um for a little while so and there's new places springing up all the time ramona the pizza place Um, which still not been to yet, but reports are coming back that that is is absolutely um, stunning. And also, you know, me with the beer side of things, there's uh, Beer Moth and a few places that I've not yet been back to um, since the world started to reopen again. So there will be probably a couple of visits to pubs over the next few weeks what about yourself you got anywhere lined up that seems yeah that seems like a very good plan the yeah we're, we're starting
1: to plot little sort of trips and little forays around the country we've we've just confirmed a booking i've, I've mentioned them before the the, the wonderful clays Hyderabadi, little restaurant in ealing we're going out to going to be in marlow for a couple of days uh july into august and realised that uh, if we go a day early we can go and have dinner at Clay's Hydro Valley. So we're actually going to go and meet the, the lovely couple that run it and, and enjoy some of the food, which we're very, very excited about. Again, little sort of forays back into um, sort of general dining here. And um, McKellar mentioned earlier, they've got a, a bar on uh, Exmouth Market, uh, which uh, opened a, a few weeks ago, Um I got Owen Kenworthy. He's uh, doing some, some food out of there. Uh, he opened Brawn in London several years ago. Really great chef. Um I, I, I we'll will link to his uh his Instagram. Um just uh, just does lots of things you look at and go, yeah, I'd really like to eat that. Hmm. Really simple stuff. Uh and they're brewing a lot of the beers on site as well, so quite excited to see that. Um There's uh, the Brat, fantastic restaurant in Shoreditch. I've got a little sort of pop-up thing they were doing at the Clemson Arch in Hackney. Uh, Managed to sneak a booking very early supper, uh, five o'clock one day next week. Quite excited about. Um, Yeah, just, and if all goes to plan, I'm actually getting on a plane Wow! at the end of the month. I'm I'm going up to Scotland. Um, we'll, We'll wait and see Happens with that going to a place called Allerdale in the uh, in the Highlands uh, as a sort of press press trip, a uh, little commission for a couple of titles. Um, they're big on rewilding. We're quite excited to see. We've been trying to do that. I've planned or unplanned with the allotment. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. We we pass off and oh no, this bit is bee friendly. Like maybe we just haven't done anything with it, and the bees like it, so we'll just leave it that way. Uh, so, yeah, go and see what they're doing. Um, yeah, just really feel our way back into to more and more things. I think it's, it's a nice opportunity. I think Scotland on a plane seems like a good idea. Passport control is the thing that's kind of freaking me out, I think, about travel. So at least this one won't have any passport control. Um, but, yeah, I think it's just
0: trying to support as many people as we can, I guess, is the moral of that story. Well, that's exactly what I've been saying, is that when – when my wife says, "You know, are you going to the pub?" Yeah, because I need to support local business. I need to help hospitality get back on its feet. No matter what I can do, so going to the local pub is great. And it again, though, I mean, on a serious note, it's great to see that there's there's bars like Cask near us um, that are really starting to to get back, and 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 it's it is great to see. But I know I've said it a few times already, but there is still that kind of People are just a little bit on, on edge, and I feel it's, it's so unfair, really, on on hospitality, but you know, entertainment industry and, and others in particular. But that this thing of, and it amazed me when the news the other day, when they're saying, you know, the next date, whatever Boris decided the date was, um, is a definite and that's it. Well, they can't really say that because they said that June the 21st was a definite. So, therefore, you've got. I was chatting to one bar owner who was talking about, they they, they don't know what to, to order in. And then a brewer who's saying, we don't know how much to brew because is Manchester going to get put into some form of lockdown that's going to be separate? Is it going to be another month? You know, there's all these different, like, unknowns that I really do feel for, for hospitality. And As I say, I know there are other sectors as well, you know, arts and entertainment and things. Mm. I- they've got, they got their own podcast. They can, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. they can worry
1: about that. Yeah. No, it's, no, as, as you say, I mean, there's, the reason we wanted to do something on food and drink is because we like the people in the hospitality industry. Yeah, um, And yeah, they, they've had a hell of a year. I, I fear they're still going to have a, a, a hell of a few months yet. And I think there will be little outbreaks and things where we kind of have to control it or limit what we do. Hopefully... A lot of the, the sort of problems will um, sort of calm down. I think the, the the recruitment thing is still going to be a big issue mm. going forward. Um, there is that hope that as there are clearly restaurants. I mean, we, we've seen them kind of unofficially um, through sort of various projects here. Restaurants that aren't officially on the market and uh, ostensibly appear to be coming back that are actually on the market. On the plus side, that could mean there's lots of up and coming chefs that finally get a chance to open their own place because the property prices will be such. On the downside, um, people like Wendy's are moving in um, and opening something like 400 sites across a year or two years in the UK because there are so many sites that are going to be available. So you kind of hope there's a little balance between massive corporations, um, that kind of standard fast food approach, and something local and creative and interesting again we'll see I know we were I know we trailed a kind of a future of hospitality podcast uh, for this month the we've knocked that back a a, a, a broadcast or two uh, simply so that the people we're looking to speak to have got a little chance to work out what the hell is going on themselves um, and comment where we are so we are I've uh, got a couple of things coming up um, for that uh, so hopefully maybe the next next one of these um, or the one after we will be touching on that subject and I know I mean, something else I know that cropped up or something you mentioned that was um, in terms of visuals and food was advertising mm. and I think we, we should have a proper deep dive into that at some point a uh, well, little def- sort of reminisce about some of the classic the classic things
0: definitely I think when we first mentioned this and we were kind of at the beginning, it was very much kind of uh, on-screen food, if you like, and it branched out into really good food and drink ads from over the years. And But I think we decided it's a complete and utter subject matter of its own. But um, what would be great is if people want to get involved on, on Twitter and, and tell us about the, the best food and drink ads um, that they've come across or that they remember. I mean, some from my childhood that I remember incredibly vividly, um, but some also have been some really good ones over the past few years. So get involved on on Twitter with us, drop us a, a line, and tell us about the ads that have stuck in your memory or have particularly impressed you or whatever it is. And, yeah, I think we do that. We'll do that as a separate thing at some point in the future. Absolutely. Great stuff. Really good to chat to you. Always a pleasure, mate. Always a pleasure. I've now got a list of films that are shamefully... <laughs> <laughs> That um, I need to watch, but also definitely going to revisit Chef. I think, even though I've watched it probably (laughs) probably four or eight times. Yeah, take it easy. Get a a taco, get a couple of beers, and
1: uh, yeah, indulge. Fantastic. Always a pleasure, sir. Always a pleasure.